Welcome to Star Trek The Comic Book Review. Our three-year mission will be to explore and review every Star Trek comic book published from 1967 to today. These books have been published by Gold Key Comics, Marvel Comics, DC Comics, Malibu Comics, Wildstorm Comics, and IDW Comics. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyright and trademarked by Paramount Pictures, all rights reserved. Star Trek Comic Review with Donovan and Ken. Issue, or actually series, uh, episode. episode number one. Yes, the pilot. The pilot, indeed. This is, a, this is an exciting, uh, auspicious occasion. This mm. is quite a, a thing we're launching here. Yes. And so we will be spending the next three years going through every Star Trek comic book published to date. Uh, and we'll start off today with the pilot, and we've randomly picked two issues to talk about. Two issues. Two issues. Don't get too excited. So hopefully uh, it'll take three years to do all of them. Uh, these first two will get done in about 30 minutes. Excellent. <laughs> Donovan, how many comics are there actually? That is in my notes on my computer, which I do not have in front of me. <laughs> Needless As to say, there is lots. We are the experts. All right, so the first uh, issue we're going to go through is issue 34, published in October 1975. Excellent. All right, it is published... Number 34. 34, October 75, and it is published by Gold Key, and its title is The Psycho Crystals, yes. Thy Glitter with Death. All right. (laughs) All right, so on the cover we have Spock and Kirk, I guess, being attacked by a big pink crystal monster it's like a dinosaur yes but made of crystal okay all right and then uh, we have a little splash page on the first page where again uh this time it's scotty and kirk and a bunch of crystal people being attacked by a big green crystal monster and then we kind of go into the real story so that was kind of the splash page the teaser the thing that draws you in exactly all right, so the story starts off with uh, everybody on board the Enterprise and Spock's telling them how they're on a planet or an, above a planet that has some interesting crystal formations. Uh, Scotty asks him to repeat it because he didn't understand. Scott, uh, Spock then does. Um, and then Kirk, or excuse me, Spock, uh, Bones. <laughs> Bones tells him, thank you for uh, dumbing it down for me. Then Scotty, Kirk, and... Uh, McCoy decide to beam down to the planet. Uh, for some reason, uh, when they beam down, they have uh, headaches, nausea, and they talk about having their ear beamed onto their kneecap. Uh, they soon get over that, and Kirk decides that they need to split up looking for these uh, crystals and tasks uh, Scotty to tackle the plateau. Uh, Scotty grumbles to himself uh, and then finds a crystal. He uh, immediately thinks that he's going to chop off a piece and give it to his girlfriend on Jupiter 5. Hmm. Uh, Before he can uh, chip off a piece of the crystal, he's attacked. Um, He then looks at the crystal and sees himself as a Scottish Highlander. Um, Then uh, as he keeps staring into it, he sees himself as a little boy. Then he's a little boy being attacked by a witch. Then he is a... uh, gunslinger of some sort or secret agent and then he becomes a demon a chump which is just a guy with a (laughs) yo-yo and a fool who cannot even add two plus one Um, while he's seeing all these pictures of himself he gets uh, attacked and screams Uh, Kirk hears it runs over to see him wakes him up Scotty tells him that uh, he was attacked by the crystal they decide they're gonna go find McCoy so they find McCoy laughing hysterically, and Kirk just punches him in the face. <laughs> For grins. He, well, yeah, he's laughing. He deserves it. All right, wow. so uh, McCoy wakes up, thanks him for doing it, and then they realize that the moons are getting a little low in the sky, so they need to camp out for the night. Uh, as they're sleeping, Kirk wakes up. He, uh, he knows that Scotty was out to get him, so he, he jumps on Scotty and just starts choking him. Uh, McCoy shoots him with a uh, narco pellet, which knocks him out, (laughs) and then he wakes up and says, oh my goodness, even I am uh, susceptible to this paranoia. 
then they decide to call the Enterprise to get a beam up, which, of course, at this point, they realize that their communication has been cut off. All right. Then a uh, crystal guy shows up and tells them that, threatens them, shoots them with a ray, ray out of his head, and <laughs> takes them captive. Uh, as he's uh, bringing them to their village, uh, Kirk drops his communicator and hoped that somebody would find it and know where they're at. All right, then uh, we come to part two of this issue, um, and we start off with a nice little splash page, two, two pages, of uh, this little crystal village that's underneath the ground. And you see, like, a heart-playing crystal guy, uh, artist. Uh, everybody looks happy. <laughs> Uh, as they're walking to see the elders, uh, they notice a guy uh, giving a woman crystal person a bowl full of fire. And then the woman then uh, gives it to her dog. I'm assuming it's a woman because she's wearing a dress. Sort of. A yeah. crystal dress. Yes. Well, she is crystal. It looks like shingles. But, right. <laughs> All right. Then uh, they go see the elder. He basically accuses them of coming to steal their children. Um, then they kind of talk about... The crystals up on the building, on the top of the surface are really their children, and that people come and steal them. Uh, he says that they're going to be imprisoned. They go, they don't have a prison though, so they're imprisoned in the library. Which McCoy then looks at them, says, "What are these books?" The uh, the crystal guy says, "Oh, these are poetry, romance." books on travel. We have no scientific text, even though McCoy never asked for one. All right, then uh, the crystal guy leaves. They start talking amongst themselves about how they need to get uh, free, and then Spock beams down looking for them. Uh, he has no problems with the beam down. Uh, he notices uh, the communicator right away, and then he also notices a little crystal rock and starts to stare into it, similar to the way Scotty did earlier. All right, back to the underground cavern. The uh, crystal guy tells Kirk and company that somebody's looking for them, and he says you can look at them through these periscopes. So uh, the crystal guy, and uh, I'm assuming it's the same crystal guy. He kind of, I guess this is the elder. This is the the chief, based on the hair. Yeah. All right. So yeah, then he's got uh, this like fleur de lune or something like that looking. Yeah. Thing when I read this head. the first time, I thought it was the one that captured him, but no, that's the that's no, the chief. Guy. All right. So the chief and uh, Kirk are looking through the periscopes, and they see that instead of Scott, Spock being attacked by the crystal, the crystal is making some geometric shapes. All right. So while uh, Spock's looking at that, some uh, crystal guys capture him and take him to Kirk. All right. Then, uh, as they're talking about what their punishment should be, uh, another crystal guy runs in and says, We're being attacked by uh, the marauding Slorda. And then they run outside, and sure enough, the Slorda is the giant green monster that we saw on the first splash page. All right, you see all the crystal people uh, attacking him with uh, spears, uh, not doing anything. Uh, Kirk asks why they're not shooting him with the laser beams that come out of their heads, and they, re they, uh, they tell him that the reason why is that uh, they can only attack with thought and that the Sorda has become immune to all their thought. They have the idea of since they're new people, they have new thoughts, so they'll be able to attack the monster in a different way, and it never says that he agrees with them, but suddenly Kirk has one of their babies to give to Spock, so I'm assuming they did. All right, so uh, Spock thinks about, like, formula of sulfuric acid, and that shoots the monster, and then he thinks of the theory behind rocket propulsion, shoots him. Uh, every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction that shoots him, and then the monster uh, dies. And then they have a little, then just suddenly they're on the Enterprise again on the bridge, and they talk about how, thank goodness we gave them some scientific texts finally, because you, uh, basically they make a comment that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, about how uh, you can't just get by with poetry and music. And then that's the end. Mm. So that was kind of the really brief synopsis. Maybe not quite so brief. <laughs> and it was riveting. It was. I, was actually, a... I actually like this one. You like this one? I really did. Um, okay, so this is something I forgot to uh, mention to you before we started, but I started rating them. See, I didn't want to rate them because uh, somebody worked really hard on these. Unfortunately, I, I'm sure they probably Unfortunately, did. these first ones, However, uh, there's no I'm credits. going to rate it anyway. This is the pilot. Yes. We're going we're gonna to throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. Yes, yes. So, so I, maybe, I, maybe, I, I appreciate so how this did was somebody's child. How did you rate this one? I rated this one a one star out of five. One star out of five. One star out of five. I thought it was... Uh, and by the way, love Star Trek. 
but these two books <laughs> you just you just got to go with it because it's uh they're not written well at all but anyway i don't so, think they're written bad that, that much i think they're just for a different audience i mean I guess we're so. talking about a comic book that came out in the early 70s written solely for kids it really they weren't written for kids you don't think so well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think they were written from kid, for kids from the standpoint that they uh, really didn't uh, take their audience overly seriously. And I think at this time, uh, comic okay. books were not that considered okay. uh, an adult medium. There you go. Okay. Um, I do find it funny, before we really start uh, talking bad about it, you got to remember when this came out in 75, so that was okay. a couple years after the animated series had finished, and okay. another five years until the motion picture comes out. So. Yeah. When this came out, this was pretty much it. it. <laughs> if you were you a Star going. Trek fan, this is this is what your bread and butter was. New on. stories. This was it. So they didn't have the paperback books yet. Uh, they just started, which I'll at the end of this I'll kind of tell you which ones were coming out at this uh, in this time frame. This is this is history. This is All history, right. man. So now what we're going to do is go through the the issue and kind of talk about what we uh, liked and didn't like or thought was interesting. So uh, okay, yeah, well. Yeah. Um, just to, to I one star out of five, I thought number one, uh, I thought the crystal people were really dumb looking. Yeah, oh my god, crystal people look like uh, I mean, they, they look a little bit uh, like, like like that main bad guy in Tron, you know, with the big head spinning around and stuff. Uh, I don't remember a little that. bit like that, and and they got like Indian stereotypical. Almost insulting, like Indian headbands on yeah, headbands do. with uh, with a feather out the back, and they're even they're attacking just, they're them. Just they, they attack the crystal monster with just like spears and stuff, which yeah. made. Me, and in, which to tell you one. the truth, I didn't realize the Indian connection until that panel. Until and that I was panel. like, "Well, why are these guys kind of dressed like Indians?" And then I went back and I saw that, oh no, they are all dressed like that That's from it. the very beginning. Uh, but to me, they kept looking like the crystals from uh, Superman, the motion picture. You know, yeah. that crystal he carries. Right, right, so right, if right, you right. just had one of those crystals, or actually, excuse me, five of those crystals, and you tried to make a little man out of it, that's what these guys look like. would look like. I think you're right about that. Um, I thought the monster was kind of stupid, and, and although, the, although the teeth are pretty cool. Well, what's funny is that the monster on the first, the cover, red. is not the same monster that's in it throughout well, yeah, the rest of the On the, the cover, he's red with a green head. At the rest of the time, he's all like Green. a teal. He's yeah. almost a teal. And his face on the cover looks reptilian, whereas in the comic, he looks just like crystal, similar mm. to the way the, the Indians mm. do. Um, I thought the solution to the problem was weak. Uh, using the babies to come up with new ideas. Uh, trying to focus scientific ideas, an idea that the monster's not used to, to do the thought-beaming thing. I thought, wow, <laughs> really reaching. Uh, also, another comment is uh, Scotty gets a lot of screen time. He really does in the in this issue, and he gets a lot of screen time in the and next issue. issue. We'll so, get to, to just think, a little preview. I think for the most part, Gold Key was really focusing on uh, those four characters. Yeah, and kind of leaving like all Scotty the other ones to the to the back burner. Whoever whoever was like the writer or the the main guy involved, they like Scotty. I do like his uh, his little. Uh, the first thing he says on the little splash page where he says, Great Moons of Mars. That really gets annoying by the end of the second one. <laughs> yeah, he says he it sends, like two or three he times. He says that a few times, and then he says something else in the other oh, they one. they come up with crazy stuff. Where he just keeps on, like, Moons of Mars and other kinds and of astronomical things. And it's not just him, things. it's everybody. Yeah. Everybody says, like, oh, the Great Belts of uh, Great Saturn. Belts of Orion. Exactly. Uh, before we get into the story, I just want to, on a side note, this little advertisement for Hostess uh, Fruit Pies. Yeah. Uh, Tweety gets a girlfriend, which I always thought Tweety was a girl. Oh, Because he always had the really long eyelashes, high-pitched right. voice, uh, and yeah. it never said he was a boy. So I always kind of assumed he was a girl, and then here it is, he gets a girlfriend, and I'm like, oh. No. Well, you know the obvious he's other a, possibility. He's a boy. That's the only possibility. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So that first page where uh, Scotty and McCoy ask Scott uh, Spock to kind of dumb it down for them, I thought was a little odd. Yeah. Really? That <laughs> complex for the ship's engineer and the dog. And what's he saying? <laughs> okay. Okay. But McCoy isn't really a techno guy. But it's like, what is he saying? And radio spectroanalysis shows planet Alpha twenty three C to be low in base metals. But <laughs> come on. Okay. 
That isn't that complicated. And really, Scotty wouldn't exactly. He, he wouldn't be following that. But what I think is funny is that how he says it. Oh, come on, Mon. Mon. <laughs> I always think of him as being some sort of Jamaican, and I, <laughs> I haven't gone back and watched the original series, but I don't remember him ever saying that. Yeah. Mon, do you? No, no, never. Okay. Never. So when I read this, I was like, "That's." I think it was that one episode. And he says it like several times. Had <laughs> yeah, that new style hairstyle. <laughs> I don't remember that. No. All right, then on the, the, I guess it's the third page, uh, second actual page of the story, when they get beamed down, why are they having a hard time? Wow, oh, they didn't explain it. They don't explain it at all. And they're like, but what I think is funny is that they kind of talk about how uh, uh, I don't relish the idea of being scrambled by a malfunctioning transporter. Uh, that, that's more of a, a, a McCoy line, if I ever that's it. a Kirk line here. Yeah. But I think that's funny because, uh, and, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but in Star Trek The Motion Picture, when they had that uh, the dude beam over, oh. I think it was, his name was Zahn. He was supposed to be the uh, replacement for Spock. Oh, right. And uh, he was a Vulcan, and he was beaming over, and then he beamed over, and he was all mushy, and then mushy. they just beaming yeah. back, and they say, they, you don't want to see what came back or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I just thought it was funny. I don't, I don't think that's what they're talking about, obviously, since it's... Five years before that movie, Probably but not. Uh, all right. So uh, another thing, Kirk tells Scotty that he's the best rock eater. Yeah, right. right which right, right, right. Uh, I'm assuming a rock eater is somebody who can climb up a mountain pretty, pretty quickly. Apparently, apparently. And obviously, so that, those rocks as you go. And up obviously, down. this Kirk has not yet watched Star Trek Five, where we all know that Kirk is the greatest uh, rock Mountaineer. climber exactly in the universe. He's a free climber. That's right. <laughs> So, uh, and uh, I also want to make a comment on those backpacks. So it looks like they're carrying uh, sewing machines on their back <laughs> with uncomfortable thin straps over their shoulders. I didn't so. even notice that. And they're like really pulling away from their backs, too. Yeah, I mean, this, they got some weight back there. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't realize. Well, I mean, later on we'll see that they have to pitch a tent and stuff. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> in all really awkward, heavy, uh, heavy-looking box. Yeah, it's true, cool. and it's like right on the back, on the very base of their back. Yeah. So there's no shoulder support <coughs> there. All right. So then the next page we have uh, Scotty finding the little crystal baby, yeah. and uh, yeah. I like I like how the first thing he thinks is uh, I'm gonna chip me off a piece for my lady and uh, Jupiter Colony Five, which you know Scott uh, Kirk's the one who has all the ladies, so it's kind of nice to know that Scotty's got a girl too. Exactly. It's because I know he's not asexual. There you go. Although, was it start? Was it Star Trek Five? A little he, bit of where he has a thing with uh, Uhura. Uhura. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uhura gets around, you know. With, she uh, does. With Roddenberry and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, he says, Great Moons of Mars, which I thought was funny. Yep. All right. Anything else on this page? Nope. Uh, on the little advertisement here of all the free stuff you can get, uh, I like how they talk about a midget cult, which <sighs> I guess is just like a little cap gun. But uh, I was just wondering, could a they. A midget Oh, cult. Yeah, okay. cult. I thought you said midget cult. Midget cult. A cult. Like a, a, an evil, satanic cult. No, not midgets. at all. And why, <laughs> but I was just wondering, I wonder if they could get away with putting that into uh, a comic book nowadays. Oh, because you think it's too... Uh, it's not very politically correct. Mm-hmm. There you go. But then otherwise, I, a lot of this stuff's pretty cool. I wish I could order some. Mark Deck. I could use that. All right, so next page. Any comments? About not the, not really. Just, uh, you know, weird kind of stuff in the crystal uh, telling something about uh, uh, Mr. Scott. Although I must say, in so many of these panes, he looks like, uh, looks like Spock. He, he looks like Spock in a red shirt. Or Sarek. This one, he looks kind of like Sarek. Uh, I guess I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> In that, in that, in that lot. Uh, too bad these pages aren't numbered. Anyway, yeah, it is. It is bad. Yeah. So, all right. Then uh, he gets zapped. Screams. Kirk runs to find him. Anything funny there? Yeah. But then uh, I see that Kirk gets up there pretty quick, so he must have uh, ate the rock himself. Uh, I guess he must quickly. have. And uh, I like to think that after that little trek up the the plateau, he realized that. Climbing rocks is fun, and maybe that's why he's Maybe so that's how he took it up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but isn't it funny how a very destructive uh, set of uh, crewmen, Kirk's going to chop off a piece, too? Exactly. They, are, they all are. They all are. They're destructive. They're destructive. Now, this next Prime page. directive. Read it. Live it. <laughs> this next page where uh, McCoy is just laughing, 
And then just Kirk just doesn't even try to talk to him, just punches him square in the face. <laughs> and he could say, uh, Bones, you okay? Bones. But no, just knocks him out. So what I like to think is that maybe uh, McCoy is listening to a, a comedy track on his uh, his eye tricorder. Because I'm sure they're going to have him by then. Sure. And uh, he's just laughing at a joke. Yeah. And uh, Kirk just and comes Kirk, up there and just hits him. punches him in the face. I do love that picture, though. It, Kirk looks very cool. Wop. And then Kirk, and then McCoy just thanks him. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for hitting me in the face. And then they bust out the sleeping bags. So there you go. can you explain to me why they're busting out sleeping bags? Uh, well, you know, in the one scene, maybe it shows sleeping bags, but then you see them sleeping, and I don't see any sleeping bags. Okay, well, maybe they're not. I just assumed. But they, but they are but sleeping right. yeah, on top right. of their bags. They're just sleeping on top of their bags. So they're 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 using their these these hard, nasty looking boxes for pillows. For pillows. But but why? And they haven't even tried to call the ship. Hey, well, yeah, we, exactly. We just got attacked by these little crystal things. Exactly. You still Did, want? Didn't some? they have mothers? You still want some? You got to call me. Call your mom. <laughs> I see yeah. you have a comment about the the three moons. Yeah. At first I looked at it, I thought it was like, I don't know what the hell it was at first. But then, okay, moons. They're, they're moons that are just so close to each other, they look like some kind of a, uh, a child's toy or something. It does, it looks like a, a top of some sort. Yeah. Uh, and then the narco pellet. I have narco a little pellet. comment. Narco pellet. Why not great. use the hypo spray? And why have we never well, seen the narco pellet before? Exactly. Well, because if you use the hypo spray, you'd have to get too close to him. Yeah, Although he could have, because he was preoccupied choking Scotty. Choking Scotty. Or, hey, he's part a phaser. Shoot him. <laughs> exactly. Shoot him. That's what my wife said. She's like, well, why didn't you just shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we get the, the first look at the crystal guy. Uh, he doesn't even look like, I, I, at first I thought maybe he looked like the old uh, Tholians. From the huh. the Tholian web, yeah. but the more I look at him, I mean, even aside from the color, because he's green and orange, and the Tholians were red, but he doesn't even look that good. Which there go. there's really not a lot to talk about in the rest. No, it's pretty straightforward. The bowl of fire, funny. Um, <laughs> bowl of fire, which turns out to be dog, dog food. food. Yes, dog food. Now that's creativity there. Yeah, and the and and the misses. The misses. Well, there's there's ladies and there's men rock That's people, right. and then there's dog rock people, which makes perfect sense. Absolutely, dog rock, rock people. people. That's great. All right, then, like I said, the rest is pretty much straightforward, and then we just get that really abrupt ending where they just give him the baby, he shoots him, and then they're suddenly <laughs> on the Enterprise talking about how they gave him the uh, the uh, crystals or the the text. And when I read this, and I can't. None of this really jumps out at me of that, but when I read it the first time, this last line, I was like, I kind of interpreted it as him saying, those damn hippies or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> which, uh, which I oh, thought yeah. was a little heavy-handed. And if, I mean, if that's really the message they were trying to go for, that you not, shouldn't... Not a very constructive you one. You shouldn't just uh, occupy all your time with the arts. Exactly. You should actually uh, get some scientific background. Yeah. I, I thought they're, basically, was... they're basically calling out all the folks that have liberal arts degrees. Exactly. So when I told my wife that, she was like, they said what? Because uh, she's all over the liberal arts. There you go. All right. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. Right, so that finishes number 34. 35 was a reprint of issue number four. So we skipped that and we went to issue number 36. Yes. Okay. Right. So uh, issue number 36, A Bomb in Time. Yeah. March 1976. Now, this one, I gave it a three stars out of five. Three? I thought it was far less, sorry, stupid <laughs> as the first one. Um, I thought, uh, even though this thing had holes in it and weirdness, and like, why did they do that? Still, overall, you know, it's time travel. I, I kind of have a soft spot And I, th I think this one moves heart a little faster than this first one. There is some good action. Yeah. Um, Whether it makes sense or not. Not not much. Right. Uh, and the... And the, and the uh, Anticlimactic ending is kind of, is a little disappointing, but that's fine. But we'll get there in a minute. That's right, and um, lots of coincidences. But in Star <laughs> Trek, wacky coincidences are are, are 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 the main thing of the day. So uh, this one, since this is a pilot, we're going to try it multiple ways and see what, what kind of works best. Which one stinks? Um, exactly. So uh, rather than doing the overview of 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 the story, uh, we're going to go through it, and as we go along. We're going to be a little disruptive, 
by giving our own little smart-ass comments on it as we go. What do you think? Sounds good. Okay. So, bomb in time. So, the, uh, the opening pane, giving you a little overview of, of, of the issue and, the and kind of sucking you in. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's the full page, and it shows Kirk in a Roman chariot. Of course. Of course. Uh, chasing some other guy, also in a Roman chariot, on a road uh, with a, a nice desert mesas in the background and automobiles. Very odd. Obviously in a big chase and uh, talking Cal- about... California freeway. On a California freeway and talking about a doomsday bomb. <laughs> Ergo the name of the story, A Bomb in Time. So, now, so we're starting out. Uh, it's a space scene over a planet and they have very creatively taken the space station wheel from 2001 A Space Odyssey, pretty much, and they put it into this this particular frame. Uh, it really does look like the 2001 uh, space station. It's a nice one. It's a, it's a nice idea. It's kind of cool how they did that. Okay, so uh, they're starting out. Or it kind of looks like a chariot already, so to kind of get you in the chariot feel. Oh, chariot. Ooh. If you turn it on the side, I think you're right about that. Okay, so they're starting out. Star date 1925.9. And, Which is uh, a weird star dating, right? It is. That's not what they use odd. later on, is it? As far as I'm concerned, they always jumped around with the numbers. Right, but is it usually two digits, colon, two digits, colon? I don't know what this, what this one said. Oh, this one had it, too. Okay. Uh, but I didn't know if it was something they changed when Next Generation and the movies came out. Right. But anyways. Okay, so whatever. Um, I had always heard that star dates jumped around a lot because of some kind of BS uh, space-time kind of uh, fashion and light kind of thing or uh, whatever. I always thought they just made them up. Until I the, think they did. Until the next generation came out, and then it, it was basically the uh, year it came out. Yeah. And so you kind of had the season and the episode. Where there, there was another, it was a set of logic there. So when okay. like Voyager so just like, and Deep uh, Space Nine came out, they like all two hundred fifty years in the future or something, yeah. and then they just add two hundred fifty or whatever like it is. That. The day. There was there was a logic there, but I don't know what it was. Okay, so um, so they're on a uh, space station, research station, where some uh, scientific big brains are doing all these wonderful, amazing high tech things, and uh, some of them are really dumb. But yeah, they got an X-ray machine like from Total Recall. Exactly. But the thing is, wouldn't you think by then they would have had it? So using Sigma rays, they're able to pierce flesh and clothing. Any metal we carry is exposed. It's a living X-ray. And then they, uh, of course, have a scene where everybody looks like skeletons. Exactly. So it's naturally perfect. And uh, what's this? Guy? He looks like he's doing like peekaboo. <laughs> we. Know, what, That's the sound effect of the... Uh, I guess, I guess. Or else he's making noise. Look, I'm a skeleton. Ooh. Anyway, so uh, anyway, uh, my, my main comment on this is, doesn't Dulles have one of these? The airport? Dulles I, airport? I think they have one of these things. Yes. Oh, well, not much for projecting in the future. Um, now, this one is kind of cool, where they have a AG interrupter. It lays a block of energy between the subject and the strongest gravity source. So they're actually showing uh, Mr. Scott levitating in the air... Uh, cut off from the gravity field of the station, apparently. So that, you know, eh, it's kind of cool. But then wouldn't he still be attracted to Kirk and uh, Spock? Are they, enough, uh, uh, are they enough of a gravitational force? Don't all objects attract each other? But so weak with such little mass. And this one, this one's dumb. Look at this one. Okay, Our biologists, biologists developed a hybrid fire spider, a two-year lifespan, and it lives on nothing but bacteria. Then Mr. Spock says, we could use one of these living lanterns in every survival kit. They have used that glow-in-the-dark technology to make mice and stuff glow now. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because... It only sticks around for so long. But, but I mean, Oh, but tritium or something? But, yeah, that's yeah. not very bright. You're carrying around a spider <laughs> in a glass thing. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sound very very good. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, so they're moving along through the tour. This, uh, this doctor is uh, taking them through the tour and showing them many wonderful things. And then we see a murder. My God, it's Dr. Lax. He's been blasted, murdered. So uh, they show a guy slumped over, and oddly enough, his hand is still stickily stuck to a button way over his head, and he's got a big old hole in his back. So anyway, so moving this along, um, they, they go ahead and find evidence of a V-tape uh, recording from a dastardly, dastardly... 
Dr. Najam, who ends up being the big heavy in the story. And uh, V-Tape. V-Tape. Videotape. Exactly. Yes. Uh, which is like, they had that, like, what, only a few years later. VHS, beta, yeah. whatever. Right. And we're already past that. Oh, well. Anyway, so this and, guy and we never did call saying, them V-Tapes. They were always called videos or tapes. It was exactly. never V-Tape. Exactly. But, you know, they didn't know that at this time. Exactly. So, projecting into the future, not so much. So, uh, the main thing is, he is holding the planet ransom. Because his confederate, another doctor, has gone back in time with the bomb that can destroy the entire Earth. With one bomb, and I love how they explain it, uh, because, let's see, it, it, it somehow leverages the nitrogen cycle. The cycle that brings nitrogen through oh, the yeah. air and onto the ground. Uh, and so it gets it, the nitrogen gets into plants and stuff. So somehow they have harnessed that to be able to destroy the entire Earth. Amazing. But why did they pick Earth? Uh, I don't know, because most of them are from Earth except for Spock. I don't know. The universal doomsday bomb. Igniting the nitrogen cycle. Yes, igniting the nitrogen cycle. That's amazing. Uh, and then another Scotty shot. Scotty's in this one a lot. And he, he looks, he looks kind of like a, a little Spock-ish, but actually he almost looks like some kind of a uh, some kind of gangster or something. He's got a really blocky-looking face. And he has a big prominent nose. Like yeah. a... <laughs> anyway, so moving ahead... They go ahead and figure out a whole bunch of stuff. They're not sure what point in time in the past the other doctor went. So how are they going to go and find him and stop the madman from lighting off the nitrogen cycle bomb? So they go through a lot of pains to to describe how they've figured out, based on the dead scientist who left his hand stuck propitiously on a dial control, a dial control, a dial in dates, and they figure... The date he went to is either April 3rd. 18, 1835 or 19... Yeah, 1955. Yeah, when you think it would be like the lo- like like a day or something, yeah, or, the, or maybe at the far or end, the last digit, yeah, exactly. But no, it's that. So, so they go ahead and figure out the do- the idea that Kirk goes back to one year, Scotty go back goes back to another year, and for some reason Spock stays in the present to yes. go and find the doctor who is the main heavy of this because he has to do the investigation. He is the brain guy. He is the Sherlock Holmes in this issue. Exactly. You, you were thank talking God about Scotty's picture. Uh, yeah. Kirk's, I mean, Spock's ears are gigantic. In yeah, this they're pretty big. But this looks pretty good. Isn't that the, pretty accurate? The, the front-on face uh, on that last page, yeah. Yeah, th- this is not bad. But when it's you look like, at him in profile, his ears are, like, ginormous. Yeah, yeah they, they are pretty big. All but right. they really want you to know. He's Spock, and he's an alien. Okay, so moving on, uh, they go ahead and put uh, Scotty inside of a chair. Yep. And it just looks like a regular comfy chair, except for a big lever on the side. Other than that, it looks like a Lazy Boy or something. And Lazy Boys at this time had a big lever on the side. So Ooh, it good might point. Well it just list. didn't look quite quite the same, but that's a good point. This is a, la- this is a Lazy Boy. It's a Lazy Boy. They didn't even bother. So some guy had a Lazy Boy at home, the artist, and he went ahead and drew that. Anyway, so uh, Scotty goes ahead and gets shot back to 1855. So he gets to have the fun in, um, in Cowboy Land. And and I must say, even though it's kind of stupid, I like the graphic. I, I do too. It reminds me of uh, Doctor Who going through the little time tunnel. Ex- except this time, it's just Scotty just being propelled through it. Exactly. So you can kind of see his head and stuff, and he's like shooting at amazing speed. And isn't into he screaming too? He is. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, this reminds me of um, maybe that's where they got it from. Uh, Galaxy Quest. Oh yeah, yeah. When when uh, when he gets when Tim up. Allen was kind of like uh, boomed tube. around him and then it, then it shot him. Yeah, that's true. And so that's a little bit like that. That's funny. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, so anyway, so he pops up, Scotty, luckily in a seated position, uh, inside of a stagecoach, <laughs> which is in the process of being attacked by um, by ruthless gunslingers. Yes. So the cool thing is th- this this issue does move along. This one is not. 
there's, there's a lot of things not great about it, but it does move along, which I do appreciate. So, um, moving along, so the gunslingers go ahead and take all people's money, and then Scotty's like, oh, I don't have any money, and if this guy presses too much, he'll go ahead and find my phaser. And I can't let him have my phaser, so he ends up zapping the guy, the gunslinger who tries to get his money. He just shoots his, just shoots his gun hand like they do in the westerns. Exactly, exactly. But now, obviously that was not on Disintegrate. Do you see the gun? Well, well there's the gun. Well, no, no here's Scotty's. The, do you see his gun? Well, no, not at all. So that, I'm, I'm kind of asking. Um, He's just that good a shot. Wait, It's okay. on Disintegrate, and he only hit the gun. He only hit the gun? Uh, sure. Damn, Scotty, you're good. Well, that's why he needs the gun later on. Ah, that's great. <laughs> Scotty, you are good. Because well, so, you figure if it was on stun, well, was, big deal. It would have numbed his hand a little bit. Yeah. Big deal. All right. So, moving along. Uh, so, anyway, so uh, Scotty goes ahead and cleverly forms an alliance where he will use his super future gun to help them to rob and pillage and rape. No, no, no. He just needs a ride back to the city so that he could try to find the doctor. And he thinks this guy's the best way to get there, right? Well, that's part of it. He's got to get back there. But he also represents himself as a gunsmith. Anyway, because he but, needed here, to let's go, them. Scotty. I got big plans for you and that trick gun of yours. Yes. So, I don't know whether Scotty's offered that idea, but he's part of the gang at this point. Okay, here. Yeah, uh, you're right, you're right. I, I always kind of thought that he, he asked him for a ride, but you're right. It, he never does say. He just yeah. says that he built the gun and that... Uh, and then the hot chick says, Renegade dog, you'll die with these banditos. <laughs> Which I find yeah. funny. She's totally forgotten that he just beamed in the middle of her stagecoach just like, <laughs> uh, a couple pages ago. Exactly. Well, that, that would keep things slow. We want to move this along. Okay. Move the story so, along. Yes. Let's move it along. Okay, so uh, anyway, so uh, so then it goes ahead and leaves the story there, and now we're back into the future, and now Kirk's going to go on his little trip into the 60s. No, and 50s, then, 55. Uh, 1955? Okay, yeah. Fine, fine, fine. So, um, but oddly enough, Spock stays, plays Mr. Um, Mr. Detective, Sherlock Holmes, who apparently Spock does have some blood kinship with. Does he? He does. I did not know that. I, yes. I think that was... Wasn't that brought up in... Uh, yes, it was brought up in one of the movies. So Amanda is a descendant is a of great Sherlock descendant. Of, of uh, Conan Dowell or... Uh, Conan McDowell? No. Not, not McDowell. Was, uh, <laughs> Arthur Conan Arthur Dowell. Conan Doyle. Doyle. Doyle? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so yes. Um, anyway, that, they, they insinuated that in one of, the, in one of the movies. Didn't it? I don't remember that. Yeah, that's when, it, when Spock was saying, as a relative of mine said... If you remove everything that is impossible, that leaves the possible. Doesn't he? He mentions that later in here. Does he? That's this. You're gonna. That's later in this issue. No, 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 no. It's no, in a movie. It, it's in a movie. Huh? It's All in right. a movie. All right. Um, I'll, I'll find it for you. All right. So, uh, I believe move. you. Let's keep going. Anyway, so uh, Kirk gets sent back in time to the Lazy Boy. To the Lazy Boy, and now he uh, is now doing kind of a backstroke through time. Through time. Uh, but, you know, that's fine. You know, what's funny is that in this picture, it looks like there's other people behind him. Like, maybe there's other people traveling through time ah, at the same time. Or, maybe, maybe. But I don't know if that's just the yeah. uh, way it's supposed to look. Uh -huh. All right, so he now, finds himself where? <laughs> now, in this case, Kirk uh, materializes standing up, and he finds himself in ancient Rome. Oops. Who almost gets run over. Luckily, he was pulled out of the way by who appears to be a director of some kind that, oddly enough, mistakes him for a stuntman. Very odd. And, and he says, uh... Yeah, he says... He says Hollywood, but for whatever reason, there's this weird hyphen in between Holly and Wood. Is yes. it just because he's doing his normal Kirk? Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. Mr. Spock. No, I don't know. I don't know. But um, I thought there was an interesting reference in here, and I'm just going to bring that out. Uh, where the director is talking to, to Kirk, and they're saying, those idiots, they sent you... Oh, of course, this guy thinking, Kirk's a stunt guy. Those idiots, they sent you over in a costume for a space flick. They're shooting in Yuma. How could they? So it's kind of interesting that they make a, a comment about a space flick, be shooting in Yuma, which, of course, this as Donovan pointed out earlier, time periods don't sync up, but, of course, they filmed Tatooine on Star Wars in Yuma. Three years later. Kind of interesting. Foreshadowing? 
Maybe. maybe. I mean, it is a time travel. Episode. It is. And maybe the maybe the writers did a little time traveling. Anyway, so so oddly enough, so they're going to get Kirk to go ahead and do some big maniac uh, uh, stunt on one of these chariots with rockets that are attached to the bottom of the chariot using a form of technology that appears to to Kirk to be well beyond the means of. Uh, of a 1955 person. Oh, which, by the way, something I forgot to mention before. Very important plot point. Okay. Scotty had heard a comment about somebody that was doing miracles. Yes, a in doctor. Town. A doctor, a doctor with the miracle potions and healing everybody. So exactly. he assumes that that's the doctor that he needs to find. Exactly. And that's why he, he hooks up with those the bad bandits, because they're right. going to get him to the doctor. Exactly. Because he shot that guy's hand, right? One of them's hurt and is going to the doctor anyways, and Scotty thinks that he can just tag along. Exactly. Okay, I knew I wasn't dreaming that up. They're still making him as part of the gang, at least until they can steal the gun. Right. Okay, so uh, anyway, so uh, the director is now telling him about uh, this this amazing stunt he's going to do and about the uh, special effects man who's making all this possible. And Kirk says, Professor Andres knows more about rockets than all the experts of this period combined. I'll have to meet that special effects man. So, that's how we find uh, both of our time-traveling compadres on their trail to find the renegade scientist. Anyway, now we're on to part two. Part two. Part two, so, finally. Yeah. So we're back in, in 18, uh, 1855, and we've got uh, Scotty doing target practice with his uh, phaser, which is uh, just uh, impressing these guys big time. So I'm, th- I'm assuming they're throwing, like, cans up there? Well, I think so. When I first read this, I thought maybe it was uh, cow pies. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't think so. But now, now I see a little can. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, one of the hicks throwing up the can is going, Hoo-wee! That gonna make any man a regular army. So they're trying to get the uh, gun from him. But he says no, naturally. Right. So, moving along. Couple page of ads. Couple pages, multiple pages of ads. I think this is this is pushing the edge here. I think there's too well, many. Well, there ads hasn't here. been too many ads so far. No, no, no. Supplementing income. Okay, so um, so Scotty, who actually in some of these the these frames look a little bit like um, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. Yes, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Who is muy macho? He looks like Charles Bronson in in, in some old movies. Um, but I find it funny that he just suddenly gets so tired yeah. and uh, just falls over. So another unexpected coincidence that just helps moving the story along. It's kind of like that that, tele, that transporter thing in the first one. Only it didn't go anywhere. It didn't explain exactly. anything. Exactly. They just had problems. They just just felt nauseous. See, I wish they would. Well, we're kind of getting off subject, but I wish they would have said that that's the reason why they didn't beam up uh, yeah. that night. So we're staying here overnight because we are we had such a hard time beaming down. Right, but they just didn't even mention it, so it was just like just a random plot point. Exactly, All right. it didn't even need to be. So uh, Scotty feels dizzy. He's going to take a little nap, and naturally, while napping, they stole his gun. Go figure. I mean, they're dishonest people. Who would have thought that? Anyway, so um, so they're off already to go ahead and rob the train or whatever wagon train, wagon train, and then there, and then Scotty goes ahead and gets on a horse, very in a very cool, virile uh, cowboy way. Yeah, he he just uh, completely uh, <coughs> leaps over the back end of the horse and right exactly. onto the and saddle, then right into the saddle without hitting the horn and uh, ruining his which father. Is, which is which is again funny why Kirk is not the one. Doing the he should be. At least Kirk. We know Kirk Shatner. loves the horses. Exactly. He loves the horses. So indeed, Scotty is going, and somehow, luckily, he is able to spot them in the distance. You can probably hear it. The phaser. Are phasers that loud? So I, 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 I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just trying to give this story a little credit. Uh, so just another coincidence. I'm just, I'm just assuming that he was able to still, when he left the, the ranch, he was able to see the guys in the far distance and able to see smoke or something, dust coming off the ground or something. Because otherwise, how the hell is Scotty supposed to He's find out where this is? He's an expert trackman. Is he? No. In this he issue, just made he that is. up. Anyway, so, so anyway, <clears throat> so he comes upon uh, this wagon train that circles the wagons, and uh, they're using the phaser, and they're just shooting people left and right. 
Uh, I certainly hope it's in stun it's setting, stun but stun. who knows? But it is causing fires, which I've never mm-hmm. seen a phaser do before. Yeah. Um, well, it's got the heat setting. Well, that's when you're winning to heat up a rock. Exactly. Well, that's the only use for it. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of guys on the ground, so you can tell he's using this phaser a fair amount, he's which him up. is important later in the story. So, yeah, so uh, anyway, so Scotty comes in and tries to get the guy from behind in the wagon train where he's uh, uh, getting all the other folks to, to lay down so they can grab their weapons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Scotty is not quiet enough as the bad guy spins around and starts kablamming at, uh, at Scotty. Yep. Unfortunately. So, uh, rather than shooting back, because I think Scotty did grab a gun, or at least he tried to, uh, he goes ahead and, and runs like a yellow dog. No, not a yellow dog. <laughs> Scotty, come on. Um, he's trying to wear down the phaser pack. So. Oh yeah, that's right. So that was the that was the strategy there. So Scotty big, is exactly. So Scotty is like 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 rolling and serpentining, just like Kirk on a good day. And then finally, he runs out of uh, phaser power. And then Scotty is doing a great job of kicking some ass here. Yes, he is disarming him. That little picture right here in the corner, where the uh, where he's fighting all these guys, that's totally from the TV show. Is it? I could totally no. I'm just saying. Okay, when I look at this, I'm like, okay, I could totally see this in an episode where they have those big bar fights, like oh, in gotcha, Trouble with gotcha, Tribbles gotcha. and the other ones. Yeah. So anyway, Scotty's able to save the day, and of course, again, in this particular pain, not only does he not look like Scotty, uh, <laughs> where he's saying, we're 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 um, Oh, where Scotty's just, actually able to finally get into town and see the me- see the the medicine man, who are, or the doctor who's doing all these wonderful miracle cures, and it turns out to be a medicine man, a bogus medicine man, not the doctor from the future, but actually a bad lead. Har har. You know, multiple times Scotty is doing a pirate laugh in these comics, and I don't know why. Anyway, it's pretty cool. Uh, so. So here's Scotty saying, all right, Captain, it's up to you, wherever you are. And then, again, he no longer looks like Scotty. He doesn't look like Charles Bronson. Who does he look like? He looks like uh, Don Knotts. (laughs) 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 To me, he looks like Don Knotts from Andy Griffith's show. A little like Don Knotts. Looking up in the sky. (laughs) Who did you think he looked like? I don't know. But he he, he looks like random people all the time. He does. It's inconsistent. I mean, at least at least they got Kirk pretty well, and they got Spock pretty well. And I really haven't seen enough shots of uh, McCoy, but uh, I think definitely they, they got McCoy down pretty well too. Scotty <coughs> is the one that, that keeps changing, but yeah. then again, he's a red shirt; he's kind of expendable. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're using a lot here. Okay, so uh, now after after Scotty makes the uh, realization that he does not he is not in the right year, right. Uh, obviously Kirk does is in the right year. And we flip back to the future, 1955, where we see Kirk in a thrill-packed chariot race. And he loses his horse as he's fighting with uh, some other chariot racer. And now he is heading towards a cliff with no horse, top speed, going to go over the edge, and, oddly enough, which is very consistent with Roman times, rockets blaze from under it. You can't see those. And he goes over the precipice. And, of course, in the next scene, he's on the other side of the precipice. The chariot is absolutely demolished, but Kirk (laughs) is there without a scratch. With his little toga outfit on. With his little toga outfit. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Kirk, you are the man. You are the man. So, anyway. So, uh, now that they're done, uh, now Kirk wants to go and see that stuntman. Now, personally, if I was Kirk, I would have seen the stuntman before the stunt. (laughs) But that's okay. We want lots of action. So, Kirk goes and confronts him. Indeed, it turns out that he is a doctor from the future and uh, shoots some kind of a welding torch yeah. back at, at Kirk, who has to back off. And then uh, the bad uh, doctor jumps on a, uh, a chariot and heads off. Buddha, 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 Buddha. Buddha, 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 Buddha. That's what it says. It is what it says. That's what it that's, says. That's it how says, chariots make noise. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Bo- Baduda, Baduda. Anyway, so uh, Kirk sees he's getting away, and since he doesn't have a driver's license for that time period, he grabs another chariot. And sure enough, next thing you know, they are on the road and uh, going through traffic, and people are honking, and they don't believe what they see on a California freeway. And it's a California freeway. Why should they not understand it? 
Okay, so now, uh, not much left. Not too much left. Now, the next scenes are showing Spock back in the future. Just two random frames in the middle of all this action. Exactly. Of, meanwhile, yes. on Spock, on, uh, what is this? Meanwhile, meanwhile Mr. Mr. Spock, Spock has found his target. So he finds the doctor, the villainous doctor, who is holding the world for ransom. Which we have no explanation <coughs> as to how he found it. No, but he is, it's of all course, off camera. really, really smart. So, now, I'm going to have to read this. I, I don't like to read these, but I'm going to have to read this because it gets across the point of how dumb this is. Okay, so, so here's Spock. Don't you understand, Dr. Dr. Najam? If Andres destroys the Earth centuries back, the change it would bring could wind up by by instantly killing you and me as well. To which this, Andre says, yes, yes, but perhaps you don't hold life. But, but perhaps I don't hold life as dear as you. And then somehow, somehow with that little interchange, Spock puts two, two and 55 together and comes up with, I've got it. The blackmail was your secret idea. Andres approached you to help him hide the bomb in time until the Federated Planets promised never to use it. Once he left, you killed Lax. And I gotta say, and that's bit it. of a leap. And that's it. Bit of a leap, Spock. But it turns out that he's right. I mean, he is Spock. So uh, Spock is right. Uh, don't know how he came to that conclusion, but he did. And it's the Federated Planets. Exactly. Instead of Federation of Planets. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of interesting. Anyway, so uh, now that we have that realization that luckily came... Personally, I think that um, they had a lot more written here. Yes. But they were running out of space. Yes. And they didn't want to give up any of the important things like Kirk rocketing over a precipice. So they had to scrunch it really small. Again, when you're a kid, do you really care how they come up to the conclusion? No, no, probably not. Exactly. But I do say, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I cared about spud guns. So look at this. Spud guns. Isn't yes. that great? On the advertisement, on, on the, the advertisement, opposite page, this is great. there is a spud gun. Not only spud gun, but you've got x-ray specs. Yes. Do you know how many kids bought x-ray specs and were totally disappointed? Really? I always wanted to. Uh, I, I, uh, I never bought them. I just figured, how could that work? Because it says it works. Exactly. But I'm looking at all these these cheapo crap things you can buy. Uh, this brings back memories. I love it. Yeah, I, I love it too. I love those. Anyway, back to the story. So now we flip back to the uh, 1955, and we have Kirk chasing on the chariots. Yep. Now, Kirk finally is catching up to the uh, the Doctor Andreas, and he is going to jump over in typical Kirk hero guy fashion onto the Doctor's chariot. And after he does that, the other the other horses go who knows where. Smash exactly, into a car probably or something. smash into cars, kill a family of five. Doesn't matter. Who could have potentially been Kirk's ancestors, and then suddenly Kirk's not, not alive anymore? There you go. And in the meantime, you've got the uh, the filming guys. Oh, that's right. They're uh, the, filming the, it all. That, that's, that's following all of this and filming it and saying, "This is great stuff. Fabulous, fabulous. Are you getting all this, cameraman?" Ah. And then the doctor saying, or the the cameraman saying. Yes, I'm getting it, BB. But what can you do with a Roman chariot race on a California throughway? And then the director says, We'll figure out something if we have to kill 20 writers. So you figure that's like a writer in joke. Yeah. And it reminds me of uh, Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Yes. <laughs> Ed Wood was always famous for just taking these little scraps of uh, stock footage and just and throwing it together. And making a movie. And making a movie. It absolutely made no sense at all. All yeah. right. So Kirk and uh, the dude are still fighting. They're fighting on the chariot. They're both on the same one. Kirk's got him in a uh, massive Superman-like uh, hold, death grip. He, he does look a little Superman-ish there he, with he, the he little spit little... curl and everything. Exactly. Um, stop the chariot and give me the bomb, Professor. Now, if I have to, I'll kill you for it. Of course you will. Men who plan to blow up a world would laugh at one punny death. So Puny. Puny. Sorry. <laughs> Puny death. So, then, immediately... Kirk realizes, wait a minute, what about the ransom? And then the doctor says, ransom? Who said anything about a ransom? It wasn't Dr. Lax. It wasn't, was it? No, Lax is dead. So anyway, they come to the conclusion that uh, that they are duped. Yes. They are duped. And in actuality, uh, there is no problem anymore. And basically, they all take the, they find the, uh, the, the bomb. time bomb, the huge uh, nitrogen cycle bomb, and they they both walk together, Kirk and Doctor Andreas, and head back to 
uh, the future. Yep. Quite anticlimactic. With no explanation as how they get back to the future. No, Just none whatsoever. One frame, they're being uh, spoken to by the director. The next frame, they're on the Enterprise. Exactly. With another odd, oddly uh, drawn Scotty. Exactly. They just can't get Scotty. Now, now that's not too bad. The very, yeah, last, the very frame, last frame looks pretty good. Not, but the frame right before that, bad. he has this big hook nose. Um, and there's really not a message in these last two little no, panels. No. It's just... Uh, They're just trying to wrap it up and then supposedly doing some kind of joke here. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, so, what? okay. Uh, indeed, Mr. Scott, you seem very wistful about leaving the 19th century behind. I didn't know you were so fond of ancient history. Spock's saying this. Uh, then Scotty sits back. Fond isn't the word for it. You see, this Don Carlos had a sister, and the loveliest. Ah, yes, this is Bach. But that was no great loss. You have known many other women. It's kind of scandalous for a kid's book. You ain't kidding. And then Scotty comes back and says, Mr. Scott, if you had a heart in your chest cavity, you would know that know what champion stupidity you just spoke. And then Kirk is going, ha, 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 ha. So basically, no idea what they're talking about. You're an idiot because you don't understand that you want lots of women. So it's like, that's an insult. It, that isn't a joke. I don't even understand the insult. It's just odd. It's just very strange. Okay. So the Star Trek, uh, the series, uh, original track, frequently tried to do a joke at the end. Yes. Sometimes it worked. Yes. Many times it didn't. Yes. But this... This is... It's not even a joke. No, it's not a joke. And it's, it's just an talking about how he's it's promiscuous, which is. we all know that people in Star Trek are promiscuous. Well, at least Kirk. Yes. Although uh, McCoy got that one thing, uh, got that one little piece. With that the, was pretty good. With the salt vampire? Well, well no, that was like she, his no, no. ex or no, something. This was in the, the, the horrible third season yes. when the city or the world inside the, uh, the sphere... Okay. Anyway... So it was towards the end, and the chick actually liked one of the chicks really liked uh, McCoy instead of uh, Kirk. Even though Kirk tried to make the moves, she said, "I think I'll be with the doctor." It was, it was pretty well, cool. Chekhov got a few girls that last season too. Uh, that last season, or that yeah, that last season when they were the gamesters or Triskelion, but that wasn't the last season, was it? I'm thinking oh, more of the uh, Wyatt Earp episode. Oh, uh, the OK yeah, Corral. But fight. none of that was real. Alright, so that's it for the comic. Uh, just make a quick little note. Uh, what we're hoping to do is that uh, as we go through these, we'll kind of talk about what else is going on in Star Trek during these time frames. So we're talking about from October 1975 to March 1976. Like I said before, uh, it's been a few years since the uh, animated series finished uh, its seasons, and then a few years before the na uh, movie comes out. But in December 1975, Leonard Nimoy came out with a book called I am not Spock. Uh, in March 1976, uh, Bantwine published a book called Star Trek Log 6, Log Number 6, which was uh, some novelizations of the animated, animated TV oh, animated series. Ones. Yeah. Hmm. There, was a, there was one that was just called Star Trek uh, 6 and 1 and 2, and that was the original series. And then there was Star Trek Log 1 through 6 or whatever, and it was a novelization of the animated series. And then in March 1976, uh, came out with a book called New Voyages. It was the first of a series of uh, short stories. So there was eight short stories in this book. And on the back cover, which I find interesting, it says uh, a quote from William Shatner. Mm -hmm. You know, he's talking about how he's happy that this book's coming out. And then he says, it go uh, uh, the Enterprise's continuing mission... Which I, th I find that funny because yeah. that's, the, that's the... Next generation. Not only the next generation, but in the motion <clears throat> picture, that's how they retrofit it. It's continuing mission. So right, I right. thought that, to me, I think is the first, uh, first time Use that that's actually that. been used. Yeah. Wow. I don't have this book, but I'm actually kind of curious on it because uh, it's not quite the first uh, of the like, expanded universe novels. There was one before that was more of a kid's book yeah. uh, where Sulu has a pet rat named Mickey or a mouse. Huh. He has a Mickey nice. Mouse that gets loose on the ship. Huh. So I don't really care to read that one. So that's technically the first novel based in Star Trek. But Is this the one, one where he gets fried in a conduit? The Mouse? I would hope not. It's a kid's oh. book. Oh, sorry. But I think this New Voyages was supposed to be the first uh, Expanded Universe adult novel. And then there was a, one that came out after this called Spock Messiah, which was oh. a... Uh, a uh, full-length novel, uh, not necessarily in for kids, but I'm sure it's kid-friendly. There you go. 
Alright, so how long did it take us to go through just two issues? An hour? Uh, it took a little over an hour. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, we'll so this is our pilot. speed it up in the future. Oh yeah. And, and we got to clip uh, along faster. Yes, we do. So, But hey, we're learning. We're learning. This is the first time either one of us has ever tried to do this. Yeah. And, and hope that actually somebody else will ever hear this. Yes, hopefully when we're uh, famous three years from now because famous. we're, f- well, in podcast world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll pass Leo Laporte or anybody like that. No. And uh, maybe some somebody will listen to this and then say, where did it all start? Well, this mm. pathetic Let effort Let me click right on here. this little pirate. And that was Star Trek, a comic book review with Donovan and Ken. Uh, episode 1, recorded back October 26, 2009. At the end of these episodes, we'll usually have a... A uh, few emails or messages that we're receiving either on Facebook or YouTube to uh, read. Uh, so please start sending them to us and we'll start uh, reading them at the end of these episodes or answering any questions that you might have. Uh, you can reach us at star t comic book review at gmail.com or you can find us on YouTube at uh, by searching for star t comic book review or just doing a search for Star Trek comic book review. You can usually find one of the postings that we've made. Uh, you can also befriend us on Facebook. Uh, first name is ST Comic, and the last name is Book Review. So if you befriend us there, uh, you'll be able to see uh, when we're posting these new episodes, uh, or when we get around to posting some of the, the videos there on YouTube. So um, until next time, take care, and we'll be talking to you soon.